Good morning, comrades, and uh, welcome to another week of uh, Workers' Power here on 4ZZZ. Uh, my name's Bill, uh, and I'm joined uh, online by uh, Jackson. Are you there, Jackson? Yes, I'm here. And, uh, yes, uh, so we're here to... Uh, Jackson's, uh, because of lockdown, um, Jackson's at, at home uh, uh, dialing in over the uh, internets and... Uh, um, yes, so uh, thanks to Art Cart, um, and uh, uh, you might have missed uh, Zedlines there. We've got, uh, we'll bring you up to date. The Zedlines are, 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 are sending, sending us a grab uh, to be played at 11 a.m. You can uh, be up to date there. Um, today on our show, we've got uh, plenty of uh, workers' actions and. Um, and of course, we've got the world famous Scallywag of the week. We did we did have some great guests lined up, but uh, as as you know, we we've got the uh, the lockdown in place. Uh, uh, first off, uh, as always, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respect to elders, past, present, and emerging. We also acknowledge all First Nations comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparation, and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. Righto. To, so what, what, I'm, what we're going to do now, I'm going to play a couple of tracks before we rip into First Nations Workers Action, just to uh, fill a bit of a hole that was left there by uh, Z-Lines. But I've got a bit of a theme here, as, as we do during lockdown, so uh, I'll play those. But uh, I, I wanted to uh, shout out to all comrades out there. Please uh, stay safe. Um, have a mask with you. Stay home when you can. Uh, have a mask with you, you know, at all times when you're going out. So, social. My thing is, I like to social distance, you know. So, uh, if you social distance, you, you you don't even really need a mask. But have it, have it with you. That's not true. That's not true. Oh. No, uh, no. That's based on the old belief that COVID was uh, spread through droplets, but it's actually spread through like aerosols or something i think it's spread through the air basically so the 1.5 meter rule doesn't really matter as much so you should definitely be wearing a mask at all times there we go there we go where I've, I've always got mine on me so um i'll be wearing it much more and trying to keep safe and uh if you're like me and you're uh, you, you've got uh, your kids at home, uh, make sure they they continue their education. There's lots of teachers. Uh, shout out to all the uh, teachers who are. They have to do two weeks work this week, so not only do they have to uh, continue their planning, uh, you know, their normal planning, but the uh, Queensland government has sent them um, directives so that. Uh, all kids across the state are all learning the same thing during this lockdown, no matter what they were learning before. So shout out to all the teachers who are doing it very, very tough this week. We shall move on, and it's uh, time for uh, some First Nations workers' action uh, here on uh, Workers' Power on 4 Z. And so, um, uh, Jackson, we've got uh, the first uh, story we've got. is something we've been talking a little, a little bit about here on Workers' Power, but... Uh, uh, Australia has uh, resisted the UN calls to raise the age of criminal responsibility. Uh, we've got this is an article by Abby O'Brien from SBS. Yeah, so this was something we talked about last year, I think, when it was like a meeting of attorney generals who all decided that they would defer raising the age of criminal responsibility for like 
a year or two or something like that. Um, but it looks like something, there have been some developments. So human rights groups and indigenous advocates have criticized the federal government for ignoring international pressure to raise the age of criminal responsibility. Australia fronted the United Nations Human Rights Council in Geneva on Thursday evening as part of the Universal Period Review, which occurs every five years, firsting its human, right, firsting its human rights record under the global spotlight. Currently, children in Australia can be held criminally responsible from the age of 10. More than 30 member nations supported a key recommendation from an initial UN hearing in January to raise the minimum age to 14. Appearing before the committee, Australia's permanent representative to the UN, Sally Mansfield, did not formally accept the recommendation, saying responsibility lies with the states and territories. Simon Henderson, head of policy at Save the Children Australia, said the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child has been pressuring Australia to raise the age for over 15 years. Frankly, it was shameful, he told SBS News. It's important to acknowledge that the call to raise the age, both in Australia and internationally, has been taking place for many, many years now. The UN Committee on the Rights for the Child, for example, called on Australia to raise the age in 2005, 2012 and 2019. Uh, Mr Henderson, who spoke at the hearing via video link, told the committee the laws disproportionately impact Indigenous children. Around 65% of incarcerated children between 10 and 13 are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, according to Save the Children. Priscilla Atkins, co-chair at the National um, National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Service, the national peak body of, um, yeah, described Australia's response as appalling. Five years since the last Universal Periodic Review, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been the most incarcerated people on earth, with a horrifying number of our young people trapped in the quicksand of the so-called justice system, she said. This Universal Periodic Review has missed an opportunity for the Australian government to reimagine the justice system and commit to ending the over-incarceration of our people, first and foremost by raising the age of criminal responsibility to at least 14. Yeah, right on. And uh, uh, look, uh, just to, uh, uh, from my perspective, uh, uh, my, my kids are 12. Right now, my my kids are very very. You know, compared to some we're talking about here, they've got a fair bit of privilege, you know, and and, and stuff like that, you know. Uh, um, but what 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 I the 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 point that I wanted to highlight is th- th- these kids, my kids, they're twelve. They can't even cook and clean for themselves, for God's sakes, you know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, I, I look at my kids and and I go. Hang on, hang on. I, I want them to be more independent, of course, and, and we're working towards that. But you know, like uh, to, to, for, for even my kids who who are, who are privileged young white kids um, with with a good education, even, even they, you know, you can't hold them criminally responsible. They 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 just their brains aren't ready, you know. So. Yeah, and even if they were able to be held criminally responsible, they shouldn't be thrown in prison. Yeah. You know, they're, they're children. They're, it's traumatic. And no one should be thrown in prison because it's traumatic and cruel and it ruins lives and it's unnecessary. It doesn't help anyone. 
It does, it does. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're just going to... You, you're sending them to high school for criminals, you know, you're putting yeah. them in the judicial system, you know. They, yeah, they will as Kropotkin never... said, uh, the prison is a university of crime. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, um, yeah, there's a lot of people on this. I know that uh, that um, there's a lot of people campaigning in this area and uh, where where uh, one of them will keep you up to date with... Uh, uh, with uh, anything that uh, that unfolds in this area, and now now we're going to move on. This is a feel good one, um, and uh, I, I've been quite enjoying uh, watching the Matildas, and we can talk about their, what, what they got up to last night. But first off, um, Matildas hold Aboriginal flag for team photo before first Olympic Games match. Now that you found this article uh, by Stuart Perry in um, the Sports Bible, Jackson. Uh, no, uh, Calypso got this one. Calypso? Yes. All right. What a team we are, which is fantastic. So ahead of their clash with New Zealand, the Matildas posed for a team photo with the First Nations Emblem, pr- emblem proudly on display in front of them. It was a landmark and global display of respect and the team won praise all over Australia for the simple gesture. However, it clearly has not gone down well with some people and the one nation leader is a particularly fuming <laughs> miss hansen has posted a statement to facebook calling on all australian teams to keep the politics of division out of sport she wrote there's only one flag which truly re- represents all of us the australian flag <laughs> the matilda's captain sam kerr who found the Net with an epic header was proud of their statement. It's something we spoke about a lot as a team. We let the Indigenous girls drive it, she said after the match. We didn't want to do something that goes along with the grain. We wanted to do something that was relevant for our country. Australia won that match, and then they had a great performance the other night. I watched them. Uh, I've been enjoying the Matildas uh, because of their stand and their their political. Uh, a side note. Um, the Matildas have, have organised. Um, we, we did a story on them uh, a while ago, where they, um, they, they 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 come together and they all fight together for um, good pay um, behind their union and things like that. So I've been paying particular attention to the Matildas, but unfortunately, last night they 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 were robbed. They were robbed. Oh, they were no. robbed. But um, it was it was a great performance from them, you know, and they they can hold their heads up high in in in, uh, in sport and politics, and uh, um, good on them, I, I say. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I haven't been watching much of the Olympics, so I think uh, uh, some some element, elements of it um, are quite privileged, so to speak, and. Uh, uh, but uh, watching the Matildas has been a very, very fun, and uh, um, yeah, I was looking forward to, a, to to them going further. But uh, they, they they play uh, the United States for the uh, bronze medal uh, in a day or two. Okay, we're going to uh, move on to some workers' action, and the main story that we're going to be talking about on today's show is uh, is um, the. Uh, uh, the co- our comrades out at uh, down in Sydney at the Anne Kellerman Aquatic Centre, who have uh, uh, been uh, they, they've uh, essentially uh, been um, locked out by the council because of lockdown and and, and stuff like that. So uh, 
Um, yeah, well, let, let's uh, see if the let's get the workers to uh, uh, shape a bit of the story to start off. So um, we're about to play a track, a, 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 a soundbite from uh, a Cooper Forsyth, member of the United Workers Union at the Annette Kellerman Aquatic Centre. Uh, my name is Cooper. I'm a swim teacher here at Annette Kellerman Aquatic Centre where I've been stood down along with the whole rest of the workforce from the start of the lockdown. Um, you know, people have been unable to access the disaster payment, fa- you know, facing the threat of not, not being able to pay rent um, and, you know, just, just being left with nothing in terms of income support. We've seen 350,000 people now, thro- you know, under the poverty line because the, the government has refused to wa- raise the welfare payments despite the fact that you know hundreds of thousands of people are without work and facing no prospect of being able to get work um, in the near future even the the disaster payments themselves represent a massive hit, hit to income you know for for thousands of workers and people are facing the threat of eviction of you know of not being able to pay rent and put food on the table which is completely disgraceful um, so that's why today we're standing out the front of Annette Kellerman Aquatic Center which is just one of uh, many examples um, where workers is just being treated as disposable. Um, where this is just the beginning of uh, an action today, where we'll be, uh, you know, it, ha- doing a COVID-safe um, protest through a car convoy. Everyone will be me- wearing masks and driving past the Liberal Party headquarters because we think it's unacceptable that we workers are treated this way. On top of the financial impact, we've, you know, seen that the vi- that the lack of support for workers is directly responsible for the spread of the virus. People are having to choose between, you know, whether they go into work um, uh, with symptoms um, because they, they can't go without the income. We've already seen reports that people are actually dying um, despite the fact that, you know, their families have a uh, uh, have had symptoms because they feared, you know, uh, coming forward because because they needed the income. This is completely unacceptable, as le- leading to needless death and destruction. And the government has just tried to blame individuals for misbehaving, tried to blame working class people, and tried to blame migrants in Western Sydney. But the reality is, if we if we're going to get this COVID um, crisis under control, that's that's on them, and they need to make sure first and foremost that workers are safe uh, to be able to do it. We know workplaces are where the a key place where the virus has been spreading. That's where the uh, um, the clusters in southwest Sydney came from, and still workplaces are not being kept safe, and still workers are without the support that would need uh, that that would require them to be able to stay home and stay safe during the pandemic. So that's why we're demonstrating today um, with a car conv- car convoy out the front of Liberal Party headquarters. Thanks, Cooper. My name's Evan, and I'm a real tail worker, a job seeker, and an activist from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. I'm here because the Liberal Party so far has played ping pong with the lives of retail workers, job seekers, early childhood educators, and many other members of the working class in Sydney. Right now, we have people who are given the harshest choice. Are we going to be exposed to COVID or exposed to poverty? That is unacceptable. It is a disgrace, and it should not be happening. But because the Liberal Party have refused to raise Social Security to at least $600 a week, because the Liberal Party has refused to reinstate JobKeeper but to pay directly to the workers, people are forced into this decision. I myself have been expected to go into work where there's limited safety provisions and a fear of COVID and my only choice has been don't do that and then suddenly you won't be able to live. 
That is disgusting. This is why we're organizing today because we need to actually change this system and we need to break the poverty machine. That means getting out there in a car convoy, which is COVID safe. We are calling as well for more vaccines because people would need to be able to work safely. We need to have that access and we have been denied. The Liberal Party has been outsourcing blame, left, right and centre to wherever it can to make sure that it can get away with this. It has been over-policing Western Sydney rather than giving us vaccines, rather than giving us social security, rather than giving support to working class people. We need to change that. That is why we have a car convoy today protesting safely against the Liberal Party and their failed policies. And we're going to make sure that we get out there and that we assert that this needs to change. So please join us as we go past the Liberal Party headquarters and let's change the system. And thank you to our comrades, uh, Evan and, uh, oh, Callum, was it? Uh, yeah, and... Uh, Cooper. Cooper. Thank you, Jackson. And uh, so uh, that, that was recorded just as, uh, as they were on their way for um, last Friday to um, head on around the car convoy, you know, trying to do everything safe, but still, um, still uh, you know, trying to send a message. But guess what happens, comrades? We all know where this is going. Police crackdown targets a unionist convoy demanding income support through Sydney lockdown. Uh, Jackson, can you read us through this story? Yeah, so police have launched a crackdown against a car and bike protest convoy in Sydney. Uh, it says today, when was this, Bill? That was Friday. It was Friday. It was Friday. Yeah. Demanding adequate income support payments and improved safety at work. The convoy of unionists was targeted by police as people drove past the Liberal Party headquarters on William Street. Nine people were fined $1,000 each for breaching stay-at-home orders for driving in the city in their cars. Organisers were careful to ensure it was COVID safe. Each car held only members of the same household and participants wore masks and remained inside their cars during the convoy. But this was enough, not enough for police who were determined to stamp out the protest. Car convoy was initiated by the United Workers Union members at Annette Kellerman Aquatic Centre, who had been fighting for pandemic pay since it was stood down five weeks ago at the start of the lockdown. Dom, one of the stood down workers, was one of those fined. Uh, and this is a quote from Dom Union members and workers from Annette Kellerman have been stood down since June and have only had inadequate income support to rely on. Those on Centrelink are still getting nothing. Uh, since they normally work less than eight hours a week and are therefore ineligible for payments, they and hundreds of thousands of other work, hundreds of thousands of others in Sydney are simply forced to live through the lockdown on job seeker payments, which leave them below the poverty line. We've started to do a wider protest about the limited support from the government and about the lack of security for workers getting tested through test and isolate payments, he said. The convoy was also supported by the Sydney branch of the Australian Unemployed Workers Union and the University of Sydney Casuals Network. Members of at least 10 unions took part. In a ridiculous show of force, police set up roadblocks along Mrs Mulquarie's road to stop the convoy assembling there. They then pulled over anyone driving past the Liberal Party headquarters on William Street who had protest signs on their cars or looked like they were part of the protest. 
Dom told Solidarity that there were around 10 riot squad vans, a huge mobile drug testing bus, and scores of police on horses. It was so over the top for 50 cars and bikes planning on driving around the city. It's consistent with their behaviour of over-policing Western Sydney and shows how they're abusing these new powers they've got to silence any criticism of the government's failings. Me and my girlfriend were driving up College Street and were pulled over by a motorcycle cop. He issued us with a move-on order and told us to get out of the city. We went on around Hyde Park to go back towards Bondi, which is where I'm living. Highway Patrol pulled us over on William Street and proceeded to fine both of us $1,000 each and wouldn't listen to us, telling him we'd already been issued a move-on and we were trying to comply. He said we had no valid reason to be in the city. We had posters stuck to the car, and when they saw those, they pulled us over immediately. The car convoy was COVID-safe. One of the organisers of the protest, Cooper Forsyth, said, The lack of income support for workers and unsafe workplaces where workers are at risk of getting the virus are the real threat to our health. People shouldn't be forced to travel chasing extra worker assistance from charities while the city is in lockdown. Health rules around coronavirus cannot be used to stamp out the right to safe protest. Evan Van Zijl, the Sydney coordinator of the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, added the Liberals have been playing games with the lives of workers, forcing us to choose between safety and starvation. We need social security at $600 per week, disaster payments raised to the full level, and a vaccine rollout for all front-facing workers with better leave for testing and isolation. The Scott Morrison and Gladys Berejiklian leaving stood down workers and those on job seeker without enough income to survive during lockdown. We need to keep asserting our right to protest and demand adequate support and safe working conditions for all. And this story comes to us from James Supple. Yes, so, um, yeah, like more on, I think we reported on uh, last week or the week before how uh, the coppers were, were hassling protesters up here out at uh, Bida. Uh, mm. But here, here they're doing it um, to to our protesters down in Sydney. Um, yes, uh, and they're once again using the um, lockdown rules to as an excuse to be extra violent and um, give out bigger, give out more fines and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it it is on the government, and uh, I, I, I'm leaning towards we, we we might be talking more about this at the end of the show. Hint, hint, hint. Now this one comes to us uh, from ABC News, and uh, Michael Janda and Nassim Kadim. Uh, Qantas loses transport workers unions ground crew outsourcing challenge in the federal court. The federal court has largely found in favour of the Transport Workers Union against Qantas in a case challenging the outsourcing of about 2,000 ground crew crew jobs by the airline. Justice Michael Lee was... Justice Michael Lee was not convinced by evidence from Qantas and some of its senior executives that its decision to outsource the jobs was not motivated, at least in part, by the fact that majority were union members and had various workplace rights under enterprise agreements. The Fair Work Act prevents employers from taking adverse action such as dismissal or redundancy against an employee because they are a union member exercising or entitled to a workplace right. 
The law puts put the onus on Qantas to prove that the outsourcing was purely a commercial decision not substantially based around those workplace rights. On the evidence put to the court, Justice Lee found Qantas failed to pro- prove that was the case on the balance of probabilities. Qantas had argued the timing of the outsourcing decision was primarily motivated by the financial hit to the airline from the pandemic, but Justice Lee found otherwise. The key concern of making the outsourcing decision at the time that it was made was because of the vanishing window of opportunity, he noted in his judgment. The operation the operational disruptions caused by the pandemic were viewed as at 2020 likely to continue for some time but not mercifully indefinitely the operational disruption occasioned by the pandemic meant that the risk slash reward analyst that had previously prevented outsourcing being considered available option considered a viable option became for a limited period viable. Qantas workers like Theo are hoping the federal court decision means they will get their old job backs, their old jobs back. It's amazing. The best news I've received in a long time, uh, Mr. Seremintidis told ABC News. More than 80% of the redundant workers have expressed their desire to go back to work. A survey by the TWU, which bought the case on behalf of its members, revealed that three quarters of the redundant workers had not found stable employment since Qantas laid them off. This judgment is a watershed moment for workers in Australia, said the TWU's National Secretary Michael Kane. Workers whose lives have been put into turmoil after being kicked out of work will be expecting their jobs as soon as possible and we will be seeking meetings with Qantas to ensure this happens. But it is not clear yet what effect the decision will have on the workers whose jobs were outsourced as the judge has reserved his decision on what orders to make pending further hearings with Qantas and the union. Qantas has already confirmed it would seek to appeal Justice Lee's judgment to the full bench of the federal court. Right, uh, so yeah, a bit of a win there, but um, you know, like uh, as it says towards the end, that um, uh, that uh, you know that the, the, they've got to um, get the orders in place. You know that uh, that could be reinstate them with a uh, full back pay, which is what we expect here on Workers Power. Um, there could be other orders made, um, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep our eye on that, and we'll um, we'll, we'll we'll keep you and uh, up to date and uh, uh, in regards to that. And congratulations to the TWU on this pretty big win for them. Yeah, it is, and uh, it, it's 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 a it's a very big win, and uh, but um, l- l- let's hope. Uh, um, Qantas, uh, you know, decide to, you know, have conversation with the workers and rather than go to the bloody full bench of the federal court. Hmm. Go to the full bench of the union court, I say. <laughs> uh, probably be cheaper too. The way, the way that, they, you know, you've got to pay it in the courts and things like that. Hmm. Uh, it's not all, it's not about, really about... Pr- uh, always about profit with the bosses. Uh, often it's just about having control. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because if you if you submit to the union, then you lose control over the workplace, and But that is often unacceptable to the bosses. Yes. Okay. Well, um, we, we, we'll move on now. We've got a, a few minutes here, here to talk about Radiothon. Now we're we're all in lockdown. We know, and uh, the the timing is bad, but. It's it's a time that we even more so we need for Triple Z and for Triple Z, every August needs your help. That's right, you at home, the listener who can become a subscriber uh, during Radiothon is the best time to get to get involved. And now our theme uh, this year is Dream Baby Dream. Now uh, we've got some stuff that, that that Jackson and the crew have thought up. But uh, first off, I wanted to talk about how. How the theme relates to workers' power, dream, baby, dream. About oh, it would have been now a bit close to three years ago. A, a couple of unionists uh, had a dream, into that Brisbane should have its own workers' show, and we dreamed big, and uh, we got in touch with Four Triple Z, and and they shared our dream. And uh, from that, Workers' Hour was born, and uh, from that, we dreamed even bigger. We dreamed of, of of having two hours, not just one hours for workers, and that dream came true. So it's a great theme uh, for for this year's Radiothon, Dream Baby Dream. Now, Jackson, uh, you and the team have been working on opportunities that uh, we can give a space for people to share their dreams of the future. Yeah, so for our Radiothon show, the plan is to have uh, the people who listen to our show, like you right now, um, and have pe have them write in with their dreams of the future. Because workers' power, it's or it's or, uh, it's really it's really based in like dreaming of the future and making that a reality um so w our plan is to have people write in with their dreams of the future and now this can be like a uh, long term like uh, what, what's what's your what's your u futuristic utopia like or short term like what do you want to what do you want to happen next year uh, or can be you know political you know do, <laughs> talking about the, your dreams of revolution or um just personal like what do you personally want in your life um it just yeah really anything about your dreams of the future and if you want to share them um write in uh send us you can send us an email at workerspower uh z at gmail.com Or you can send a message to our Facebook page, and when it comes to our Radiothon show, we'll share them with everyone, and hopefully that will be something that you will enjoy listening to. That's right, and we 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 want to be very um, interactive uh, with the listeners next week. We're not we're not uh, all that uh, interactive with with listeners during the year, but uh, Radiothon, uh, we highly encourage. Uh, workers to send in requests um, yeah your dreams but most of all we want you to subscribe to the greatest radio station in on the planet and be part uh, of, of something special here you know and uh, 
uh, we'll uh, be right in the thick of it. We're, we're even uh, planning on, on organising a prize, but uh, we'll be, more, you know, lockdowns, you know, uh, put a bit of a hurdle in front of us for that, but uh, we will keep mushy, uh, pushing on and uh, we, we, we may have something to announce on next week's show, so... Hopefully, we're all really, really well behaved and uh, the lockdown gets dropped on Sunday night and, and we'll be back in the studio. We'll have, we'll have the, the, the effervescent and exciting Calypso and Jackson in the studio here with me and uh, we're going to have a very, very exciting um, radiothon. Okay, here on Workers Power, we're going to rip back into uh, workers' action and... Uh, We've got a story. This one's a bit more mainstream. We haven't heard that much about it up here in uh, Brisbane. Uh, but uh, this we lifted uh, from the age. Um, exhausted Victorian teachers move on industrial action as a wage negotiation stalls. Have we got Jackson there to help me out? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. So the union representing Victorian state school teachers and principals has taken the first step towards industrial action, including a possible state-wide strike over its stalled workplace agreement negotiations with the Andrews government. As tensions rise between exhausted teachers demanding a 7% annual pay rise and a state government intent on tightening its public sector wage bill, the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch unanimously agreed on Friday to finalise plans for a ballot where teachers would vote on what action to take. In previous negotiations, actions have included bans on reading department communications, writing reports and attending meetings after hours. A strike would follow if the dispute was not resolved. The last strike occurred under the Baliu government in 2012 when thousands of teachers filled Rod Lava Arena in protest. Teachers and principals want a wage increase amounting to 21% over the next three years, along with significant cuts to face-to-face teaching hours and 16.5% superannuation. Class sizes would shrink to a maximum of 20 students at all year levels under the union's log of claims, down from current maximums of 26 at primary level and 25 in secondary schools. The 7% request is at odds with the Andrew government's decision to tighten its wage policy in the May budget so public servants' annual wage increase would drop from 3% to 2% in January. It was one of the several cost-saving measures as the state begins its post-crisis austerity program. Goodwill begins the... Goodwill remains between the two parties, but the union has grown frustrated at the government's failure to make an official offer despite 50 negotiation meetings dating back to December, the equivalent of about seven a month, and the existing workplace agreement in April. It still expects to... Oh, sorry, and the existing workplace agreement expiring in April. It still expects to sign a deal before the new wages policy comes into effect next year. The Union Victorian, Union's Victorian president, Meredith Pearce, has repeatedly warned the state's underfunded school system was driving thousands of teachers out of the profession. A union survey of 10,800 government school staff found four in every ten Victorian state school teachers were considering switching jobs and that they work an average of 15 hours of unpaid overtime a week. The union has also called on the Andrews government to cut face-to-face teaching hours to 18 per week, down from the current 22 and a half hours in primary school and 20 hours in secondary school. 
Jordana Hunter, School Education Program Director at the Graden Institute, said the past 18 months had been one of the most massive transformations of the way we deliver schooling, with extended periods of remote learning. Right on, solidarity with all the teachers down there. We, we, big, another yeah. shout out to the teachers. Uh, they're doing it tough up here in, in, in uh, southeast Queensland, and yeah, they're doing it tough down there with the Andrews government, a Labor government, may I add. Mm. Um, you know, seven percent isn't all that much to ask, comrades. You know, in yeah. you know how quick everything goes up. I think my electricity bill would go up more than seven percent of my income each year. And yeah, uh, I mean, um, th- and it's uh, it, it is a lot higher than many other unions are willing to ask for, but uh, it's definitely um, as much as they deserve, probably less than they deserve, especially considering all they've had to go through over the past year and uh, continuing to have to go through as the co- as the pandemic continues. Mm. And this uh, on the survey that the union done about. Uh, uh, with teachers wanting to switch jobs and, and the average of 15 hours of unpaid overtime a week. I, I can give uh, antidotal evidence that uh, um, South East Queensland uh, teachers do a lot of unpaid overtime. And uh, yes, they were working... Uh, I know that the teachers were working frantically on Saturday night and Sunday this week so that they could uh, be, continue our children's education. So... Look, the, the, this being a teacher is one of the most important jobs in our society, um, and and yeah. and it's it's a blight on society. I used to say this even before, you know, like I was I was an activist. It's a blight on society where we will pay people more to look after our money than we will to educate our children. You know, because Absolutely. yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of these people who are considering leaving, having a teaching degree, it's still a four-year degree. A, a lot of the others are, now, are still three-year degrees, and that it's very advanced. And uh, um, these teachers, they they can go earn big dollars in the corporate sector, but uh, you know, they 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 choose to uh, be in a profession that uh, that they love. You know, and uh, I know for I know for a fact that the, my partner could probably double her income if she was to go into the private income but that's not what we are about that's not who we are and that's what not not what teachers are so solidarity with teachers all across the country especially these ones fighting for uh now small pay rise but notice how that teachers are always fighting fighting for uh um smaller sizes and uh, class sizes and things like that they really are oh, look i'm biased we've already established that uh but um, yeah, teachers, good on them. Okay, well, our last uh, um, story that we're going to report on in, in regards to uh, uh, localised uh, workers' action is a victory. Now, um, this one comes from from my union, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, and um, as you know, we've all been uh, we've been uh, here on Workers Power presenting uh, 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 presenting that. Uh, uh, workers at Better Red Than Dead down in Sydney, uh, King Street, Newtown, have um, uh, they they were taking industrial action. Now the industrial action that they were taking was um, not handling cash, not doing the uh, window dressings. You know the the window. Uh, displays out the front of the stores and they're also you know um, stopping doing unpaid work well the, the the boss freaked out 
and locked them out on Monday, as we reported la- uh, here on Workers' Power last Tuesday. But then, late Tuesday night, I, I, I got an interview. I was relaxed, nearly ready to go to go to bed, and I, I got an email, and and this is what it said. So, um, uh, members uh, have lifted all industrial action, and the uh, lockdown stand downs have ended. Members have re- returned to work as uh, members have unanimously endorsed an in-principle agreement last night with Better Red Than Dead. Well, I got this on Wednesday morning. So, Member Direct Action has delivered a landmark agreement with historic conditions in the retail sector. They include conversion to permanent ongoing employment for all members engaged on a casual basis who wish to convert. A minimum of four weeks consultation over major changes, six weeks notice of any redundancy, uh, rights to redeployment and severance pay rights, all workers to be classified at least at uh, retail employee level three following probationary periods, full restoration of a 100% penalty for work on Sunday. That's a great one. Now this one, comrades... Very, very proud of this one. Abolish of junior rates following probationary periods. Good on these workers. Converted part-time workers to be paid a base rate $1 per hour more than the the award with a pathway to $25 per hour living wage in the future. There's a full suite of health and safety clauses, uh, policies and, and rights detailed in the agreement. Also, they've got 20 days paid domestic leave and uh, 26 weeks paid parental leave. And there's a few other outcomes there. But uh, yeah, well done to those workers down at Better Red Than Dead. It's it's one of those you, uh, uh, you stand up, you fight back, you win. Um, you know, like there's some great full, full restoration of uh, the Sunday penalty rates, which the Fair Work Commission uh, reduced to 50%. And the big one, you know, which is one of the things that I like to fight for um, is uh, abolish uh, the abolishment of the junior rates. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a great win. That's, you know, it, that, that's the one for the 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Basically, they do the same job as everyone else, you know. And they look, crikey, even 15, 16, 17-year-olds. And uh, they should be getting the same pay. So, look, those workers, oh, you know, hats off the, to, to them. They, they, they stayed together staunch. The, the boss came at them with everything that, that the boss had. Uh, but they stood firm and uh, they, they won. So good on those workers. Uh, so uh, here on Workers Power, we'll, uh, we're going to uh, rip into uh, some international workers' action. Uh, now we've got uh, one that we've found here. Now um, uh, th- this is one for all our, our gamers out there. The uh, Activision Blizzard employees strike. Uh, this is an article by Olga Karif and Jason Schremer. Uh, Jackson, are you there to help me through that? Yes. Perfect. So, last week, California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing sued Activision, detailing accusations of sexual harassment and assault, as well as a culture in which women faced unequal pay and retaliation. The employees are protesting the company's responses to the sexual discrimination lawsuit and are demanding more equitable treatment for underrepresented workers. 
On Tuesday, Bobby Kotick, the Activision Blizzard Chief Executive Officer, sent an all-staff letter in response to the walkout, calling the company's recent actions tone-deaf. In his email, Kotick said he hired the law firm Wilma Hale to conduct a review of its policies and promised swift action to stamp out harassment. Uh, employees responded with their own letter, saying Kotick failed to address concerns about employment contracts and containing forced arbitration, employment contracts containing forced arbitration contracts clauses, and a lack of pay transparency. More than 100 people showed up on Wednesday morning outside an office of Activision Blizzard in Southern California and to demonstrate their support their support of the sexual harassment lawsuit and to protest the video game maker's insufficient response. Employees and other demonstrators gathered on the sidewalks at the corporate campus of Blizzard Entertainment. Elsewhere online, fans sought to organize a boycott of Activision games in solidarity with employees. You can support hashtag walkout by not playing their titles, Twitter user Shannon wrote. The post garnered more than 2,300 retweets and over 5,000 likes. In the comments, other users suggested not logging into games or uninstalling them. So I got a boycott movement brewing over there, well, in general, I suppose, since games are very international. Um, in support of these workers, which is cool. Yeah, it'd be good to see the uh, gaming community get behind these workers, eh? And uh, they're the ones who, who make the games that uh, keep keep you keep you uh, entertained. And uh, um, these, uh, you know, ca- at Blizzard, uh, you know, obviously a big, big, big company, and uh, they want their shareholders to uh, get as much profit out of uh, you as possible. But uh, I, I think most gamers are loyalties would lie to the workers and uh, um, show solidarity. Okay, good. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. There's going to be, you know, like a, a, as as to- we move forward, there's going to be all different types of industrial action. Not um, a, a, as we talk about here quite often um, on, on the show. Strike is uh, where, where we withdraw our labour. That's the last resort. We, we've tried all these other things, you know, like the better red than dead uh, workers. Uh, they, they just uh, did some things in the workplace and they got results. Fantastic. Some other workers, don't, they don't get those results from them and then they've got, got to move on to going actually going out and strike. So... Um, yeah, solidarity with the with the uh, gaming community and the workers involved with it. Okay, um, uh, we're going to um, take a, uh, another break, but uh, first off, we want to talk about our our, our comrades uh, down in Victoria. the The party has released a a, a new message uh, from Worker and Parasite. Hell yeah! So uh, this one. Uh, or, or, or the timing was a bit off because we're not the first ones to have played it on Four Triple Z, Jackson. What? I know, right? Who else has on Four Triple Z? Yeah, yeah. Our our comrades at, uh, on uh, Zedition. Oh. So okay. they must be, they must be because uh, we. That's the right yeah. That's the right name. And uh, I've been chatting with with Simon and. Uh, yeah, they're 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 uh, very similar to our show, except they play much much more music than than what we do, much much more, because they've got four hours. So mm. if you you know, I actually had a, a Sunday afternoon. The lockdown was announced, so I was a bit you know. Uh, so I thought, oh, a couple of beers and listen to some radio would be good. So I 
I put on, uh, you know, Zedition on four hours of great radio. I, I, I can't listen. The show is live on air at 2am on, on a Saturday morning. That, that's not for me. Uh, once upon a time... <laughs> it's it, not for many people. It, well, well, once upon a time, I'd, I'd listen to that when I got home. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Simon and the crew do a great show, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I even pinched a couple of tracks that they played. I'll go, oh, well, I, I, like, I quite like that. But as I'm listening along, I hear... Uh, um, worker and Parasite. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just the timing of things uh, uh, it was played again yesterday down at P- PBS. But, uh, yeah, we're going to give it a spin. So, shout out to our comrades from the party. And uh, this is the uh, message, uh, uh, the current message from uh, Worker and Parasite. And uh, you're on a Worker's Power on 4ZZZ. And I will put a language warning there just in case if you don't like swear words. Head out for three minutes and 57 seconds. from history. Correct 
Welcome back to Workers' Power here on 4ZZZ, where you're with Bill and Jackson. And we just heard a couple of, couple of tracks there. First up was uh, the brand-new track from uh, Worker and Parasite, uh, their track Manifest Destiny. Um, so we better move on, and we've got some uh, workers' uh, action internationally to uh, get through. So we've got the uh, United Mine Workers of America... Uh, marks the beginning of the fourth month of uh, Warrior Met Coal Strike. Have we got Jackson to, to bring us through? Yes. So the UMWA marked the beginning of the fourth month of its strike at Warrior Met Coal. Um, this was actually a little while ago, um, so it's been a bit longer than four months now with hundreds of union members, their families and supporters rallying to express their firm resolve to win a fair and reasonable contract before returning to work. If Warrior Met, uh, and the quote, if Warrior Met is waiting for our members to quit and run back to work, then the company needs to quit waiting, UMWA International President Cecil E. Roberts said. It's not going to happen. I know we're going to win this strike because we are never going to quit. Roberts reiterated his call for higher-level negotiations to resolve the dispute, saying, I have made myself available from day one to be part of this collective bargaining process, and Warrior Met knows that, but so far they have not accepted that offer. Oh, uh, the team the company has at the bargaining table either wants to continue to punish the workers and deny them what they've earned over the last five years, or they just do not have the authority to resolve this with a fair and decent contract. I'm prepared to talk with the CEO or members of the board directors at any time at any place. Let's get this resolved. Warrior Met could not have emerged from bankruptcy in 2016 without agreement by the UMWA workforces uh, to severe sacrifices in pay, healthcare benefits, time off from work and more. The workers ratified the contract at, the ta- at that time to preserve their jobs with the understanding that a successful Warrior Met would reward them for their sacrifices. Hmm. Despite realizing $1.1 billion in cost savings from the workers over the past five years and piling up revenues in excess of $4.3 billion in that time frame, the company has refused to do so. What Warrior Met has offered up is just a tiny fraction of what the workers gave up five years ago, Robert said. These workers are tired of being mistreated on the job. They are tired of being forced to work on holidays and missing time with their families. They are tired of being tired after working 12 hours shifts six and sometimes seven days a week. Maria 
Moriamet knows it is exploiting these workers and it's time for it to stop. The UMWA continues to pay strike benefits and healthcare costs for members, as well as distributing money that has been donated to the Union Strike Aid Fund. Roberts reported that the members at the rally that the union has uh, to the members at the rally that the union has distributed 4.3 million dollars to the strikers during the three months of the strike, 3.1 million in direct strike benefits, and nearly 700 thousand dollars in healthcare costs from the UMWA Selective Strike Fund and $500,000 to members from donations to the Strike Aid Fund. I'm overwhelmed by the generosity and solidarity shown by other unions and individuals who have com contributed to the Strike Aid Fund, Robert said. The United Food and Commercial Workers alone have contributed $200,000 to that fund, and other unions have sent significant donations as well. Every time of the contributions go to that fund, uh, to every dime of the contributions to that fund goes directly to the strikers and their families. We're so appreciative of every donation. So yeah, they've had this very long, very big strike going on against the Warrior Met Coal, um, who are like a, from what I understand, Warrior Met is like a Wall Street company which bought up this coal mine, um, and now they're running it as you would expect extremely exploitatively and, and they tend to uh di divide the community some of these co corporations and things like that you know you've got those that's that that uh, you know want to get back to work and you know the, the bootlickers can't like you know this is workers <laughs> power we've got to call them what they are um and so that there's been some some company violence on the on the picket line yeah, so the wife of a striking miner was hit while peacefully and legally walking a picket line at Warrior Met Coal yesterday, uh, okay, sorry, not yesterday, this was also a while ago, in another instance of company-inspired violence as Warrior Met attempts to inti intimidate strikers to return to work. Uh, quote, she was obeying the orders of the sheriff's deputy to stay out of the way of vehicles as they were going in and out of the mine, said the UMWA international president Cecil E. Roberts, who witnessed the incident. Without any warning, the driver of a Mazda pulled in, swerved towards her, and struck her along her back and arm. Amy Pinkerton, the woman who was struck, is the wife of Greg, Greg Pinkerton, a UMWA local union member who was a victim of another violent incident last month. A truck driven by a warrior by warrior met personnel drove past the picket shack on the side of a road where Pinkerton was sitting, turning around and deliberately drove through the front of the shack and the picket location, knocking a fire barrel 30 feet into Pinkerton. The deputy saw what happened to her, Robert said, and they did nothing. This was a company foreman who committed this act of violence today. This is an international and intentional and ongoing pattern of vehicular assault perpetrated by high-level employees of Warrior Met. We need some equal justice for more enforcement here in Alabama. I, re I reiterate my call for Warrior Met CEO to meet with me as soon as possible so that we can negotiate a fair and reasonable and peaceful end to the strike, Robert said. That is in the company's best interest, the miners' best interests, and the community's best interests. The violence by company personnel has to stop. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's just driving cars into people. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... That's a... It should be assault with a deadly weapon, nearly, shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, not good enough. And, uh, yeah, these bootleggers uh, that are uh, 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 increasing the violence on the picket lines and... Uh, 
uh, but uh, workers... And as uh, expected, the cops are doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, you know, ACAB. Um, okay, so uh, we're getting near the end of the show. We've got one more uh, international uh, workers' action uh, story uh, to, to go through, and we've got an audio file. Uh, Jackson, could you do the intro to the audio file? Sure thing. So on July 15th, 2021, people took to the streets in the Iranian province of Khuzestan to protest against the lack of water due to government mismanagement. Since then, despite the Iranian state's brutal repression, the uprising has spread all over the country. So this file, uh, so this thing we're about to listen to is called Iran, the Uprising of the Thirsty, and it was created by Submedia, who are a YouTube channel and I think general uh, media collective, um, anarchist media collective. The city of Bostan, Khuzestan province. It's Thursday night, 15th of July, 2021. People are on the street chanting, Hayati Ahwas and holding signs reading, Ana Hachan El Mai Haki. Protests started over the lack of water due to the construction of dams and the diversion of rivers by the government and the colonization of Arab people in the so-called Khuzestan province, which many Arabs call El Ahwaz. Khuzestan is one of the richest and poorest regions in so-called Iran. Khuzestan province, located in the southwest of the country, produces more than 85% of the country's crude oil, more than 30% of the country's fresh water, and supplies 15% of the country's agricultural products. At the same time, 25% of the province's population lives in poverty on the outskirts of the cities. Now it's Friday, the next day, the weekend in Iran. The sun has not risen on the entire Western world, yet the sparks of the protest last night have set the whole Arab-populated region on fire. The cities of Ahvaz, Hoveza, Shadigan, or Falahia, Hamadiya, Karimshar, or Al-Muharrima, Bostan, Susangard, or Al-Kafajiyya, Mashar, with majority native Arab population, were the first to rise. Over the next couple of days, the cities of Desful and Iza in Khuzestan province joined the uprising dubbed the Uprising of the Thirsty. The uprising gains strength as the days go by. Kurdistan, Kermensha, Luristan, Azerbaijan, Ardabil, Khurasan, Isfahan, Yazd, Boucher, Elborz, Tehran, and Baluchistan start protesting against the regime in solidarity with Khuzestan. Their protests were met with violence from the beginning. Police opened fire on protesters on the second day of the protest. Many have been killed, hundreds injured, and hundreds arrested. Despite all this, the struggle continues, and the protests are spreading even further. But, uh, so that's our show for the day. We just uh, All we've got left is Scallywag of the Week now. It was blank, and uh, I, I said to uh, Jackson in one of the breaks that if we don't find anyone, we we we, we can always revert back to the 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 person in responsible who's put us into this uh, position, who's uh, blame uh, shoulders fall squarely on, and that is our Prime Minister Scott Morrison. He's got two jobs when it comes to this pandemic. Uh, 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 the vaccine failed. Uh, bringing in uh, overseas quarantining failed. This Absolutely. he has 
failed, this Liberal government has failed no end to protect us. And uh, with an election coming up, it's, it's up to all of us workers to make sure we put the LNP last like they have uh, put us over these last couple of weeks. Yeah. I've been getting really pissed when I see, like, the ads that encourage you to get vaccinated. Like, could you, could, maybe you should spend less money on advertising and more on actually getting the vaccines. I've been on the register for, like, months now and nothing. Yeah, and no, we, we just want to get on with it. Yeah, I'm on the register. I'm, I'm waiting to, get, to, to go. I, I'm in the high-risk category for the AV, so I've got to wait for the... For the um, for the Pfizer, um, you're young, so you got to wait for the Pfizer too, don't you? Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, um, but uh, look, as you can hear from today's show, we us workers, we will prevail. We will keep moving forward. Um, you know, we've done a. Oh, I think that we've uh, brought you a pretty good show, even though I'm here on on my own in the studio, um, and Jackson's, uh, on, you know, on, on his bed relaxing while bringing you uh, workers' power. Right. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was it, it is bad news, but we already we already knew already. But um, the uh, workers' power inaugural gig has been. Um, cancelled, so to speak, the pre-Sonic Masala event. Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It was. Um, I was very proud of of what we'd organised there, and uh, was really looking forward to a good night. I know the crew for Last Quaker were very, very keen to uh, come over and, and 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 hang out with our Workers Power team for a couple of days. So uh, commiserations to to our comrades Last Quaker for from WA and uh, Plaster of Paris from Vic who. They just can't take the risk, uh, understandably, uh, you know, like a... Uh, but uh, what we will do is we will... Now that we've got a little bit of experience organising these things, we will endeavour to bring you a, a gig every now and again. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it every month or every couple of months, but every now and again we, we're going to bring you a gig where we, we, we're going to bring you bands that, that we stand behind, like Last Quaker, like Plaster of Paris, like uh, uh, the the other one that comes to mind is uh, Worker and Parasite. You know, if they two are up here, that will be a Worker's Powers present. But uh, unfortunately, this one has been cancelled. But um, on the radar for more. And just finally... Um, be sure to tune in next week where we've got Radiothon. Now, if we are still in lockdown, I'll get Jackson to come in on streaming and we'll also we'll get Calypso. We need her effervescent joy in the studio. But So we'll get her on the phone and see if we can get that some of that joy and motivation. Um, over the line. So that's it for our show. I've already gone over a little oh, bit uh, too just long. A reminder for, just for the reminder for next week's Radiothon, yes. uh, write in with your dreams of the future, send them to workerspower4zzz at gmail.com uh, if, if that's something you're interested in and we'll read them out. Awesome. Very much so. And uh, yes, so we will uh, see you next Tuesday, which is Radiothon. Uh, and to go out for our show today, we're going to uh, play Last Quaker's latest single. So, uh, yeah, like I said, see you next Tuesday for Radiothon here on Workers' Power on 4ZZZ.